أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. I want to say a few words about some of the of the fuqara of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib rahimahullah. Sidi Abdul Kabir, whom you know of Casablanca, once said that that the Sheikh had tens of thousands of of fuqara across the the Maghrib in the desert and in the cities. And he said that every one of them had a story to tell. But for the story they told, they had other stories that they would never tell anybody. It was a sign of the, of the fact that the people around him were intense in their search for knowledge and in their yearning for, for the presence of Allah and knowledge of Allah. Now, for example, there was Muli Abu Qasim, who was always in rags and uh, had very great Ruhani quality. And he went everywhere that the Sheikh went and attended all the dhikrs and traveled all over the deserts and all over the cities. He, in, in, when he was 70, he, he, he took a, uh, a fourth wife and uh, he was very, very happy and had a family and uh, Worked, but but the the thing is that his life was entirely for the for the people of Allah, the company of the people of Allah, and travelling fisa bilila. Then there's the the Sidi Ali, whom you know in the in the Zaya and Meknes. This is a man who who used to live very badly and keep very bad company and drank. And then he was working with the loggers, cutting down the, the logs, and the log fell on him and smashed his face. And he was taken to hospital, and he couldn't hear, and he couldn't see, and he couldn't speak. And the smash, his face was so smashed. And he lay there, and he thought, oh, this cannot be the way that life was meant to be. I, I, I have to get out of here. And he crawled out of the hospital, uh, completely blind and completely helpless. He managed to escape out of the hospital and uh, he found his way to a mosque. He didn't know where it was or what it was, he just had to get out of there. He said, I'm not going to die, it cannot be that I die in hospital. And he got to the mosque and uh, uh, he was completely deaf and blind and, and dumb. And then Allah gave him his hearing so he heard the adhan and he knew he was in the mosque. And then the people came and looked after him and then Allah gave him back his his uh, speech so that he could recite the Quran and gave him sight in, in one of his eyes so that he could read the Quran. And he's the man who see it in the Zaya, in, in Meknes. And all he lives for is the company of the Fukara, serving the Fukara and traveling in the way of Allah for knowledge and for the lights of the company of Dhikr. Uh, then there was uh, the Wali of Bahlil, who was, he was also completely blind, and uh, he had he had spent all his life traveling. He traveled all over uh, Maghrib, all over uh, Algeria, Zizaya, and he had taken uh, he had taken the tarika with something like thirty-four different sheikhs. He took the tarika with thirty-four different sheikhs, and then he met Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib, rahimallah, and he said, "Now all these." Sheikh, I can put in the pocket of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib. So he's so great, you see. And uh, he he lived in 
very pleasant house in a little village outside Fez. And it was there <coughs> that the first uh, sign of confirmation I had because the Pukhra were all saying we have no sheikh and what are we to do? And he called for a hadra and uh, everyone started to go into the circle and he was completely blind, remember, totally blind. And uh, the hadra started he and uh, he came to me, he went out of the room and he came back with a white uh, burnous and he, he came, I was in the circle, not taking the hadra, and he came to me and put the, straight to me and put the burnous on me and put me into the middle of the hadra. And then he said, there you are, that's, there's the sheikh. So, so these are people who could see without seeing and who knew where nobody else knew, you see. There's Muli Abu Qasim, who also, you see, could not see. <laughs> and uh, no, no, not Muli Abu Qasim, uh, Hassan al-Muzdub, who also could not see. I mean, a tiny, tiny bit of eyesight left to him. And yet we were sitting with him in his house and suddenly he got up and ran out of the house, rushed down into the town and there was Abdul Haq, uh, where some people had laid a trap for him, said that he had crashed his car. So they said, you must pay us money or we'll call the police and they'll take your car away. And <laughs> he was completely helpless, didn't know how to deal with it. Suddenly, uh, Muli Hassan appeared, chased them away, took Abdul Haq and brought him back to the house. He knew there was something wrong. He saw it happening. He saw in the town what, what was happening in the town from inside his house. And uh, he, uh, he always he used to serve tea to everybody who came to him. Sometimes there'd be 20 or 30 people in his house. He would feed them and give them tea. And all he did is he would crochet one skull cap. For, for, for the Salat, he would crush you one of these and then he'd go out into the marketplace and he'd sit there till he sold it. When he sold it, he came back in and on that one hat, he fed his family, his two wives, his children and all the guests that came to him. <laughs> and he also was one of the people who, when they said, now that we've lost Sheikh Mohammed of Labib, what are we to do? He said, the next Sheikh, it's... Uh, Sheikh Abdul don't discuss the matter anymore, that's it, the end of the matter, it's finished. So again, he was someone who saw and he couldn't see. Then there was another man uh, who uh, was very well off, had a very good family, everything the, you could want in the dunya. And he stayed in a part of the Zaya, the most beautiful part of the Zaya, and he took the whole part of the Zaya and said, now he said, this is my house. And he took, he took it and possessed it as if it was his property. And uh, Sheikh Ibn Habib, Rahim Allah, he never said anything, he let him do it, you see. And one day he gave a, a, a party in his house and invited all the fukara. And this was a very special event because he said, look, now I've got television. And I've invited you all to see my new television set. And Muli Abu Qasim was present, he said, what is this? What are, they, what are they talking about? What's the television? And they, they, they said, look, you see, now you can see anywhere in the world with this, uh, with this machine. And he said, oh, but I've had one of these for years. 
I said, I said, this for years? They said, what do you mean? He said, oh, yes, yes, yes. I can see anywhere I want in the world. Is you have television? He said, yes. And he put his hand on his heart. I said, yes, yes, this is my television. I don't need this, I've got this. So these were Fukara of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib. Then there was Hajjilali, who, Rahimallah, he was very, he was very rich. He had big, several big farms. And uh, uh, he said to Sheikh Ibn Habib, I want to be your fakir. I want to be your fakir. And uh, he said, well, I don't know. And he said, oh, please. And he would come to him and say, I want to be your fakir. He said, well, I don't know. And he said, well, what must I do to become your fakir? He said, well, he said, the only way I can see you being fakir is that you feed 20 fukra every day. <laughs> if you feed 20 fukra every day, you can be my fakir. And from that day till he died, every day, 20 fukra were fed in his, uh, one of his farms. And he would also uh, provide for the, for the Muslim Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib. And so he was fakir among the fuqara. And uh, that was Hajjilali, and he's buried beside Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib. And he, one day, I, uh, we were sitting with the uh, Imam of the Zaria, uh, Rahimallah, a man of perfect manners and courtesy. And uh, I said, you know, they were saying things about Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib, and I said to Hajjilali, Tell me the highest thing that you can say to show the, the high station of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib. And he said, well, and I thought he would, it would be something of tasawwuf and something about the basira <coughs> and inner sight. And he said, well, when he takes salat, he doesn't extend the takbirs. He makes them very short. He says, Allahu Akbar. In all of these things, he said, so that the people praying behind him do not move before he does. So he makes the takbir very clear and very short. Because people who elongate the takbir, people don't know if they should be coming out of ruku or going into sajda or coming out of sajda. Because they elongate the, the takbir and so the prayer line is not correct. And also because the instruction of the salat is that you follow the imam. So in case someone moves before the imam, he would make his takbir very brief. He said, that is the high, highest indication. In other words, his, his scrupulousness about the salat was the indication of his high spiritual station. You see. Now, uh, these are some of the examples. So there are many, many examples. Uh, there was another... Uh, a great wali, he, he lived in Casablanca. He had a, a large family, a very remarkable wife, and excellent children. And uh, he, he had a little booth in the in this market in Casablanca, which was just enough space in the stall of his, in the market, for he could just make salat inside his stall without going out. He could put his prayer mat on, he just managed to get into the ruku, it was so tight. And, and he had just hundreds and hundreds of ribbons. And the ladies came all day to buy the ribbons to do the edge of the jalabas and the edge of the bonus. And so they'd come and they'd look at 20 and then they'd say, yes, it's this one. And he'd measure, 
you know, uh, half a meter, one meter, and, and then he'd wind it up, wrap it a little bit of paper, and take it a dirham. That was his, that was his work. And so you saw him, you saw him, this little man who kept this little stall in the souk, you see. And then I went with him to, uh, in, he came to Meknes, and we went to Fez, and I went with him to Muledris. And this man who was so quiet and always uh, on the edge of tears, and we went into Muledris, and suddenly the people came, and they were kissing his hand, they were kissing his shoulder, they were kissing his knee, they were kissing his feet. And it was like some great king had arrived. And all these uh, Sufis went, and he was saying, no, 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 leave me. And suddenly the, he was elevated like he was a sultan. And among the Sufis, he was like a sultan. And uh, one realized that all his spiritual station was hidden from people, and they thought he was just this man measuring his little ribbons in the, in the soup, you see. And then... Um, the, the, he used to go and see Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib Allah, and the people were the Fukra were very jealous because the minute he arrived the Sheikh would send for him sit with him and talk with him and they said why is it he, he comes and we never get to see you you're with him all the time and we never get to see you and he said well because he's got a pocket without any holes in it he's got a pocket that doesn't have holes in it this is the language of the Sufis who speak always in metaphors in other words, when he was given knowledge, he didn't lose it. He said he had a pocket without any holes in it, so he never lost anything. Everything that he took, it went in, you see. Once we were in Casablanca with him, and uh, one of our Pukhara had his car uh, impounded by the police. They refused to give it back to him. And he was in a terrible state. And, and so uh, this uh, amazing fakir, he said, well, Let's go and I'll speak to the policeman, see if he'll let you, give you permission to take it back. And the man said, absolutely not. He said, look, he's a foreigner, he's come all this way and he's a Muslim and please. And he said, no, that's it. He has not had the correct papers and the car's impounded and it'll take three months to get it back. So he said, well, I've done all I can. And we're walking back to his little shop and he said, well, we've we've done everything we can now we must ask the one who does whatever he wants and he said wait there and he went into the mosque and we stood out he said wait there he went in and I could see through the door and the columns and he went behind a pillar and he made two rakats and he did this bah, 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 bah. got up, came out, took his shoes he said come on he said it's done we went back to the thing, we sat down, and, and within ten minutes, this policeman appeared, sweating. His face was flushed, he was sweating. He said, oh, I feel so terrible about what I did. You've got to excuse me, please forgive me, please, please forgive me, I, I made a terrible mistake, it was wrong with me, please. And he said, come with me and I'll get you the car back. And he had the car back like that. These are people who live by the knowledge, you see, of the la hawla la so there's the one who, 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 who took the house from the, 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 the sheikh, took the uh, wealth and, and everything, and he needed a television to see what was going on. And there are these other people, some of them blind, but they could see, and uh, by their ibadah, uh, things that were not to happen, happened. 
uh, ways were unlocked. I, I had uh, dysentery in, in uh, traveling with the, the sheikh and Mullah Abu Qasim, and there was no medicine, nothing, I, and it was like I was just emptying out my body, I was dying. And Mullah Abu Qasim came, he'd get a glass of water, he filled it with water, he put his finger of shahada into the, into the water, and he recited ayats of Quran. He said, drink that, you're better. And it was amoebic dysentery. I drank the thing, and the thing, 20 minutes, the thing physically stopped. And, and the, the whole thing was over. And uh, whatever the infective thing was, dead, finished, all over. These are people who move by Allah and, and uh, trust in Allah, and, and Allah puts power through them, by them as agents of His, to do what Allah wants to do. Uh, there are many, many uh, fukra like that. There's a fakir in the desert, way in the Sahara, and uh, he he said that when uh, when Sheikh Muhammad Muhammad Larbi, who was the sh the Sheikh before. Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Habib Ibrahim Allah. Uh, he, he was from the desert. And he said he, he, he had a, a word that was, takes about three hours to recite the, the wazifa. It's in the, it's in the original Arabic diwan of, uh, published in Morocco, Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Habib. A very long, 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 long word. And he, he said that one day he saw the Qut the Qutub the, the Qutubia of Marrakesh, which is this great tower of the Marabitun, which dominates the whole city of Marrakesh. And he said he saw he saw this man leaning on it, like on his elbow was on the top of the Qutubia. He was standing on and the Qutubia was supporting his elbow and he was giving a a khutbah. Leaning, oh, leaning on the, this is great, and it was Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Habib. So he said, like he was the tower of, of, of all over the Morocco, you see. And uh, he was a most uh, a powerful fakir, greatly respected. And when he was dying, he uh, is in a place called Malab. He said, take me into the Zaria. And uh, they carried him into the Zaria. He was just skin and bone. And they carried him into the Zaria, and he, he, they laid him on the ground, and, and he started Hadra. And when he started the Hadra, Fukra, the word went all around the village that he was in the Zaya and he was doing Hadra. And everybody came running. People came running out of their houses, banging on the doors, until every single uh, man in the in the in the village was there. All the women were, were outside. And they were all doing hadra, and he 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 was in the middle on his back, and he, he did the hadra, and then as it came to the end, he lifted up and said, Muhammad Rasulullah, and he died, and he was buried there in the in the middle of the the zaya. So these are you see, living in the way of Allah is not just <coughs> is not just the same as the people who are. They talk about the, they're not the same as people who just uh, 
think that the, the, the dean is, is just these limits and that's it. They're not satisfied with that. They want to know, they want knowledge. So they go on till they're in the company of people who have knowledge. They don't stop till they are, till they are in the company of people who have knowledge. And then they, they, then they take and they drink from every cup that is passed to them of lights and of secrets and of knowledge. Like we were once traveling in the desert of Sheikh Mohammed al Habib, coming back from Algeria after his, he had been in Algeria. And we stopped in a tiny little uh, town, I don't know where it was, before we crossed into Morocco. And uh, there were people waiting for And as we came towards the town, this man came running out, running toward it, because it was like uh, the road to the village was like just a desert trek. And, and, and this man came running out. And the imam said to me, this is so-and-so, he's, said he's so-and-so, he's a famous Muslim. And he, had, he came out to meet us all and, and, and he bundled into the car with us and came back to the, to the village with us. But nobody had known we were coming. He, nobody had been told that, we were, that the sheikh was coming to this village. But he was there to meet us. So we went back to, we were taken to the Mukadam's house, a very beautiful house. And, Everybody was fed, and, and there's a hadra, and uh, in the hadra, the, the muzdub got into the middle of the hadra, and he was, wow, and the imam was very, very correct, and he didn't like any sort of uh, wildness in the dhikr, and he took him and put him out, and he went back in, you <laughs> see, and uh, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib, he was sitting in the corner, and he got up, and he took the Muslim and he put him back in and he pulled out the Imam. And then after it was over, he said, that's what we're here for. We are here for him. We're here to take from him. What, what, you see, there's Suluk and there's Jazb. So the people of Suluk are traveling towards Jazb and the people of Jazb are traveling to Suluk. The people of ecstasy are traveling to to wisdom and, and judgment and the people of wisdom and judgment are traveling towards being ecstatic to having ecstasy because the, the tap has been turned off and then these other people their tap is turned on and it's gushing and if they don't turn it off they get drowned so it has to be <laughs> each takes on the other you see so we were there to get this this light from this this man and he he uh, he had a uh, one of state, part of the state of his being Muslim is that he would, when he went past the cemetery, he would see the state of each one of the ones in uh, the people in their graves. So he would see one man and he would become ecstatically happy, and then he'd pass on the next man and he would be in anguish because the man was was in torment and being tormented in the grave, and he would start to feel it and say, "Oh Allah, be merciful to him! And, oh, what has he done?" And he could into a state of torment about the. the, the the state of that man in the grave, and he couldn't bear it. He he had to be. He used to go all the way around to avoid the, the going near the cemetery because he'd start to see the state of the people in the grave. And on that visit, as we left, he came to the uh, sheikh's uh, chauffeur, and he said, "Oh, I'm so happy! I'm so happy! I'm so happy! Alhamdulillah! Alhamdulillah! Alhamdulillah!" They said, "Well, you're very pleased to see the sheikh." He said, "No, no. He took." He took this. He took this from me. He covered it. I don't now. I can walk past the cemetery. I won't see anything. I was. Uh, I'm free of it. He's he covered like he's insulated the tape so that the electricity didn't 
spark out, you see. So all these things are the business of, of knowledge and, and, and the degrees of knowledge and states of knowledge and stations of knowledge and, and the conditions of people who, who, who expect something that's nothing to do with this world at all. Now, you can't, you can't uh, com say you're committed just to this dunya and that you want this. It has to be that you want this so much that you have to be ordered to, the, to your due in the dunya, to your duties in the dunya. And this is the same for uh, fukara and fakirat. The, 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 I, I was once in Muli, Muli Dris, a zirhun up in the mountains, and we were sitting there, and, and uh, there are no women allowed in to the, where the tomb of Mulidris is. And this woman came in and it was like she didn't touch the ground. And she had her hands behind her back and she just glided forward and the Mukadam was very, very strict and would chase people out with a stick, anybody who was not correct. And somebody went to, and he said, sit down. The minute he saw her, he said, no, no, leave her. And she came in like, as I say, like she was floating over the carpet and she went to the, to the tomb, and she kissed the tomb, and then she turned to the, still with her hands behind her back, she turned to the Qibla, she fell on her knees, she made us one sajda into the, onto the ground, she stood up again, and then she turned back to the, uh, to, to Muledris in his tomb, and she put out her hand like she was gathering, just like she was gathering wool and putting it in a, in a basket, she, she, she did like this around the tomb, and, 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 and then like she was stuffing it all into her heart. And then she got up and away she went. And, and the effect of this was that everybody was in a, when she left was in a state of, of spiritual um, uh, serenity and, 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 and calm, and everybody was like happy. And it was the most extraordinary thing. And away she went, and that was the end of it. So, you know, there, there, there are people uh, in every place, who, what matters to them is, is how they are with Allah, and nothing matters in the world, only how they are with Allah. And these are fukara, nobody else is fukara. You see, the Wali Bahlil said, fukara are a bunch of thorns. I said, what are the fukara? And I thought he would say some wonderful thing, because I was thinking of Abu Madian, uh, on Gauth, who said, the, they are the sultans. The, uh, uh, when will my eye have sight of them? When will my ear have, have news of them? They are the kings, they are the sultans. <laughs> he said, Fukura, they are, a bunch, they are a bunch of thorns. And I thought, what an awful, awful thing to say. Maybe it, it is, I, there's a very strong argument for this. And I thought about it, but you see, all the Sufic language is metaphor. It's all to be translated. And I thought, well, in the desert, you see, they gather, the th there's a thorn bush in the desert, and you gather the thorns, and you put them all together, and you set fire to them. And that's the, what gives you the, the warmth, that's what gives you the heat, that's what gives you the energy. So I realized what he meant was that they have to be gathered, and they have to be burned. You see, like, like uh, Jalaluddin Rumi, uh, Rahimallah, he said, I was raw, and then I became cooked, and then I became burned. You see, in other words, knowledge took him from a state of rawness to a state of being cooked, and to a state of being burned, that there was nothing left of him.
you see. And so these are these are the uh, these are the conditions of of tasawuf. These are the things that that make the, this knowledge stay alive, you see, because every epoch has its people. And uh, the interesting thing is that, that uh, among us are people of this caliber, but uh, it's something to aspire to, it's not something to reject, and it's something to be, mm, to awaken in you, is a desire to to be people who want knowledge and who want uh, not to be, con who are not content till, till they have more knowledge and more light and more uh, illumination. The reason for the circle of dhikr is for that, the reason of diwan is for that, the reason of hadra is for that. All of it to open the heart and open the latifa that, that ruhani lights will come. If you look at the words that we read in the the dua that you make every day, that's what you're asking for. And if you ask for it, you'll get it. It's better that you don't ask for it if you don't want it, because... Uh, uh, I mean, Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi said, if, if, if you love me, prepare a complete armory for poverty. For poverty will come <coughs> to you as surely as the flood comes to its destination. You see? Now, uh, it, it, Allah says in the Quran, I say, Antumul Fukara. We are the fuqara, we are the poor ones, who were Al-Ghani Al-Hamid. Now, prepare a full arm, armory for poverty means get ready to be free of dependency, to feel you've got to get your living, you've got to get food, you've got to get a roof over your head, you've got to get, this is your duty, this is what you live for. No. He said prepare a complete armory for poverty, be ready for all these things falling away from you. He didn't say you won't have them, but that you'd, you would say, we are the poor and Allah is the rich. But if Allah is the rich and you belong to Allah, then he's the one who will give. He's the one who will support you and he will place you where you're destined to be. Because Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, there are some people uh, who are uh, poor, and Allah has decided to to make them rich. And there are some people who are rich, and Allah has decided to make them poor. But everyone will get his portion according to the decree, and it cannot be changed. So one man loses everything, and it, it's, it's the very thing that, that brings him to life. Another man gets everything, and it suffocates him. Another man gets everything, and, and he is a powerful support to the weak, and helps them. Another man uh, loses everything and he becomes bitter and, and narrow and, and, and doesn't see that the, the majesty of Allah. So these are the conditions of the, of the fakir. But in it all is this element, what the element that was in the, all these men I've been describing is what in the language of Sufis is called himma, which is yearning, it's a, it's a long, it's wanting, it's not being content with anything that comes out of this world and still wanting this this knowledge, this Hadrat uh, al-Rabani, the presence of, of Lordship, this is all Rumi talks about all through Mathnawi, that you you must yearn, you must long for, you must desire this divine uh, light and this knowledge, and that 
this is what awakens the, the spirit because nothing else will content the human being. Rasul said that the son of Adam will never be content till the earth fills his mouth. In other words, till he's, till he's dead. So this is the human condition, but the, 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 the Ruhani condition is not that. That is the lowness of insania, just to want and want and want to you stuff into the and go into the earth. And the, the Ruhani condition is, is to yearn uh, and desire upwards to a, 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 a station that makes you forget existence, forget the world, forget everything in it, wanting only the face of Allah. There's a period, Sheikh Alawi Rahimallah, he says that there's a period when you become like uh, you become like almost like a mad person you become like someone who, who looks as if he's breaking all the rules because he he just uh, it's all he wants and of course this is not the correct way to, to, to live according to Islam but it's a phase of his like burning up all this his dunya till he gets knowledge and then he's balanced and strong like Muley Abdul Qadr Jilani was Zahid, 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 until uh, the, uh, on the top of a mountain, uh, crippled with his uh, discipline against his, his nafs. And then he was ordered to go and teach, and then he had to, it was the most difficult thing, but then he had to go down the mountain and go into the city and, and be a teacher. And that was for him difficult, while in a funny way, his being up on the mountain was the easy bit. It was easy to be Zahid, it was easy to be in the mountain, easy to get crippled in one leg and, and have all these people coming and having baraka and uh, helping people. And so, but to go, to go down then already lamed and broken and go into the mosque and teach people the deen and teach people uh, tasawuf, that was the difficult thing for him. So uh, the, the path is... Uh, uh, it, it makes the it makes the the people who are zahid. It makes them people of the the dunya that Allah authorizes them dunya. Uh, Mullah Abdul Qadir Jilani said the ones who saw me at the beginning took the sirat al mustaqim. The common people they took the sirat al mustaqim when I was zahid on the mountain, beggar living on only whatever bits of berries and bread people brought. And he said at the end. Because in the end he was in a, in a great uh, zaria with with uh, great feast and fukara and fine robes and he said at the end he said people went out of the dean when they saw me except the elite because you see the, the others came the ulama came and said he's not a real sufi look he's got this uh, wonderful life that he has. But the elite came and they knew we sit with him and we'll take from him the thing that he's won through all this struggle and through all this suffering, you see. And uh, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib, to come back to him, you see, he said, my maqam when I was 25 and teaching in the Karawin was the same as Muley Abdul Qadr al-Jilani. Right at the beginning, and he lived to be over 100, so think of the spiritual station he had. At the end of which all everyone here in this room is a result of that spiritual station of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Habib.
Gott, ja. Genau, ja.